Welcome to the Post Ride Cafe with your hosts, Sam and Aaron. The podcast all about cycling. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. Welcome to episode 33. What's going on, dude? How are you? Uh, recovering, man. Recovering and not not from uh, what I'd like to be recovering from. Yeah. My foot's been a little messed up. But yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. It uh, sounds painful. Yeah, it has been, but it's getting better. I mean, you still, uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you managed to get more miles than me. <laughs> still. Well, I mean, that maybe that's what did it in, so. That's fair. All right, well, before we get started, let's go over what this episode's about. We're going to be talking about a recap of the Tour de Wallonie, as well as some transfer news, and then the Tour de France preview. We had to continue that from last week. We're going to talk about sprinters, green jersey, polka dots, that kind of stuff as well as preview the first two stages. So before we get into that, how can people get a hold of us? Yeah, they can get to us at uh, Post Ride Cafe on Instagram and at Post Ride Cafe on Twitter. Awesome. Well, it's going to be an interesting segment, but let's get into our Strava Stats of the Week. Stats, man. Yeah, so a uh, big fat goose egg for me. Um, I had a bike fit on Tuesday or Monday, one of the days I typically ride, and then I went camping this weekend, so the rest of the other day I typically ride during the week, I was getting all my stuff ready. So I was out of town, so I didn't ride at all this week. Nice recovery week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was clean, though. That's nice. Zero across the Zero board. Zero across the board. I like it. Uh, so I got 40 miles in. Big one. 2,700 feet of climbing. Was it really 2,700 feet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a nice good. ride. That was a good. It was all in one day, so that was pretty pretty good for around here. Um I think partially that's what kind of did my foot in, but I also got a bike fit, same guy. Mm-hmm. And first off, nothing against that because I thought it was a really good bike fit. I think I think you think the same. Yeah, let's talk about that after the ride real quick. But so yeah, basically before we we got some changes on our bike fit, right? So yes. you went riding kind of a little bit after your bike fit. Yeah, I had been riding all that week and I think it was you know, accumulating, but anyways, this, this ride, really good ride, I kind of at the end just broke myself as well, I was going up the 36th street climb, which I still stand by, is probably the hardest climb in Phoenix, uh, and it was the last one of the day, uh, we've kind of, they've had a, a road close for, for a while that we normally go down through from, um, Paradise Valley to get, to get south uh, a little bit and get to all the little climbs that we like to do. Uh, so I've been re- rearranging that and uh, hit a little bit of the bike path. It's like a dirt section for a bit. You go around the Biltmore, like a hotel there, and it's pretty nice. But yeah, the last, it was just hot, and I was like, I'm going to do one more, and I did 36th Street, and yeah. it was just forever to get up it. Like, it's it's not that long, but it was like minutes slower. I was like, oh man, it was it was tough. But well, it was a lot hotter than the last time we did it. Yeah, That's and it's, sure. it was really hot, and yeah, I think I was finishing almost, you know, eight thirty nine a.m., which is here right now. You can't do that. Yeah, it's like a hundred and five. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, pretty rough. But yeah, and I mean, nice to nice ride though. I mean, a lot of climbing out there. I'm just after this weekend trip. I'm just looking forward to not having heat, man. It was so nice being up in, you know, the White Mountains area, and it was like high of 80 yeah it was like it was we were actually in the, in the same place different different trip different area but yeah we were probably like five or ten less than ten miles apart 
from you, your trip. You had a plush trip. cabin, and I was I was out there roughing it on the. That's true. Well, did you bring uh, horses and dogs and everything? Uh, no, there were bees there. You know oh, you where brought we were them? At. Yeah, I brought them. Yeah. Yeah, no, actually, I had some bees as well. Uh, next to the pond, I was sitting there working on the show notes, uh, slaving away on my vacation, and <laughs> there was a little bees, like, going into this little plant. That was kind of How weird. dare they? I know. Anyway, nice trip. It was really good to get out of town, but yeah, I did not... I was not able to ride, and I just got my bike fit, and so I know I need to do a lot of work, which we're about to talk about, and so I was, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back on my bike to see just how much this stuff is going to improve my fit. Um, this year I've had a lot more issues with, uh, saddle sores and comfort on the saddle. And so, you know, I just bought a new bike and new shoes and new, all this stuff. And so I just haven't been able to dial my fit in. So it was definitely required to have this fit, but I found them out from you. Uh, you had found them out on what Steve Bay or something. Someone yeah, had recommended them. Very nice guy. And, uh, yeah, just overall, like it was a good experience. He was really passionate about bice- bicycles. And so... He just was kind of helping me like walk through. He kind of takes videos, shows you where your feet are at and kind of how you're positioned and what your whole body looks like. So it was a, it was a pretty rough, pretty rough fitting as far as like <laughs> changes go. I'm, everything changed on my bike. Yeah, I was in a pretty similar boat with it. The main thing, which, which was interesting and, you know, maybe kind of a lot of people need to look at, I would imagine, is both of us kept raising our seat, kept raising our seat, kept raising our seat, and we're, it just doesn't feel like you're getting full leg extension. I'm like, something's not right with this, and, you know, then I was having other discomforts in my hands, and, you know, too much weight on that, because, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes too high, and the angle will put the extra weight forward, um, but kind of turns out it was the cleat, it was cleat position, which, one, I didn't even know my shoes, I had it maxed out as far forward as you could go, which I thought, but you can actually, there's spacers in there um, where you screw it in the bottom. You could take those spacers out, then move the cleat forward mm-hmm. even further, yeah. which was the right position because I had to move it all the way forward to get it under the ball of my foot. Yeah. Uh, and so that, just between the two things, one, it changes your leg extension right there, so you actually don't need to raise your seat as, as much as you think, um, or at least for myself. And the other thing was... Um, well, it eliminates dead zones. Yes. So, like, a big thing is, you know, he had me pedal initially, and you kind of hear, like, <laughs> and it's and it's not necessarily because, you know, legs are moving at a different rate. It's, it's because of those dead zones. And so when it changed, one, I'm flattening out my foot, um, and two... You, you start to hear it's just a nice, smooth, yeah you know, that you hear, can hear the, the difference in the chain immediately. Um, but he did say, you know, basically like using all quads, so you're going to feel the difference in your calves and, you know, everything else that you've been kind of neglecting um, because your foot, it was, uh, mine was kind of pointed down. And he's like, yeah, that's great if you're a triathlete because you're saving those muscles for the run. But if you're just biking, it's not necessary. So it, it kind of flattened my foot out, uh, changed the pedaling style a bit, uh, which I saw results, but I think I did everything too quickly. And he's like, don't go on any group rides. I went on a group ride. Like, don't do this. And you know, I was like, oh, well, I, I knew you weren't going to listen to that advice. Yeah. Well, I just thought it would hurt my legs. And yeah. I was like, that's fine. I didn't think I would like hurt my foot. 
Like strain yourself. Yeah, you thought it would just be like pretty sore or something. Yeah, I was like, I can deal with sore. But yeah. but yeah, it was good. I mean, it's good to to know what's wrong and, and kind of what you're doing and be in a better place because I've been riding for a while. And same thing, you know, I've got several bikes. And with this new one, I had, I don't know, a little over a year or so and just was like, oh, yeah, like it's fine. Yeah, my last bike we had pretty dialed in. Uh, before I had a bike trainer and we could, you and I were kind of taking videos and I kind of, we call it, we kind of joked them, called them Sam Fits, but like I'd look at the video and I could kind of dial some stuff in and I just sold my trainer and I hadn't needed one and I moved and I had a, a smaller space and I needed to downgrade and get rid of some stuff. And unfortunately I got rid of the bike trainer because it really could have been helpful to help alleviate some of the issues I was experiencing, but I still would have had the same, some of the same problems because of the cleat issue. I had the same thing. Turns out I need to have my cleats even more far forward. So the cleats I do have, even when you take the spacers out, still don't go far enough up to reach the ball of my foot. So he had recommended a, another set of cleats and pedals to kind of help alleviate that situation. So I got to look into those. And uh, But yeah, kind of the same thing. But I mean, I moved everything. He moved my seat down. I mean, almost two inches, it felt like. He moved it forward more. He even dropped my... Um, tilted my handlebars and some, I mean, every single item on my, <laughs> on my bike changed. And it definitely made a difference. Um, in that short session, you could hear the same thing. You could hear the pedal stroke be better. And obviously only half your pedal stroke is going to be power as you push down, but the other half, your other leg picks up on the second half. But I was really only using 25 to 35% of my power, maybe 40 of that last, those transitions, you know, where you normally would lose a little bit of power I was losing all my power and so there's yeah. those gaps before my next leg kicks in that there would be drops yeah so. basically he was saying with that position you know your left leg when your right leg goes down your left leg starts to pick it up and yeah. and we were missing that whole zone there was just yeah that transition area on both both strokes so yeah, he said for me the hardest part is going to be same thing my po my toes were pointed more down than I thought they were um, I think they just didn't feel that way because the cleat was further back but he said, uh, I'm going to have to learn to keep my heel down. Yeah, no, same. It's interesting, though. We've seen so many pros with that position, and obviously, I mean, they're doing what they're doing. They're pros. I will say, though, Wout's position on there, and they had commented on him. No, take that back. It was Sepkus. They were looking at his, his pedal stroke, and they, everybody, the commentators, were saying how nice it was, and it was from being a mountain back mountain bike background yeah. and it was flatter it was like not as pointed as a lot of the guys that you know we see riding yeah so sometimes it doesn't pay to emulate the pros you know no i mean uh you know if you're if you're experiencing issues on your bike i mean definitely go get a bike fit it can be pretty expensive or um in this case it can, it can be pretty economical if you if you know the right people and, and have people who kind of do it for fun you know this guy just seemed like he just enjoyed doing it and helping people so. Yeah, I mean, he was also, or he is the lead mechanic at a shop, too. It's not yeah. a random person. He has a ton of experience in that. And so yeah, 40 years or something he's been riding bikes. So very knowledgeable. It was really great. I'm excited to kind of get back on my bike again and seeing if that helps. I mean, the saddle sores were really irritating me. Like, I had never had that many issues so consistently. So yeah, we'll see. But uh, on to some cycling news. A lot of transfers. This is the transfer season, and oh, man. If you would have asked me this at the beginning of the year, <laughs> who would be the most interesting transfer team this season? Never in a million years would I have picked AG2R. Well, because I think last year, and we saw, I think several French teams last year did 
absolutely nothing mm -hmm. in the transfer season. Well, and we also attributed that to the fact that they have their own development squad, and they're very consistent, yeah. and they and they like to grow from within, and which I totally respect. Yeah, which is fine, and I think that's helped FDJ in being a really solid team, and they've worked together and worked on everything. But this is just like turned everything upside down. Yeah, and we've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. You know, they've switched. They let uh, Pierre Latour and Roman Bardet go. Maybe they didn't have a chance to keep them, but they made the decision like, look, if they're leaving and we can't keep them, let's get rid of the GC focus on our team and let's get back to like something simple like classics or sprints, so to speak, right? Uh, where, you know, with the GC team, you have to have so many resources. And like with a classics team or a sprint team, you just need, you know, at a minimum, three or four good pieces. You don't need all eight guys and training and TT training. You know, you don't need all these pieces, yeah, you know? So, I like it. Yeah, so they've, they've really just did a number on the transfer season. So this last week, we talked about, they picked up a, a couple other guys earlier, but this week they picked up uh, Mateo Trenton and Lillian Kalamajane, and also Bob Youngles, which was a pretty big surprise. That's the biggest shock for sure. But coupled with uh, GVA and, um, you know, they have Nason now. You know, they've had him for a while, but they picked up GVA as well. This is a pretty good classic squad they're picking up. Yeah, it's... It's going to be a, a, a really good team. I don't know how old Kalmache is, but I feel like he's a kind of still younger-ish writer than a few of these guys. And I think he's like 25, 26, yeah, something I, like I still, that. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, that would call him still pretty young, developing. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think that's he can learn from some of these older guys here and also have a ton of opportunities. Like It's going to be a good team. I mean, a good time for Quickstep to not re-up. Uh, Bob Youngles because he didn't win the Luxembourg Championship, so he's on the downwards. Well, he won the time trial, but not the road race. Yeah, come on, <laughs> yeah, you're in Luxembourg. Okay, he should yeah. win. <laughs> yeah, no, um, but no, I mean, still just great pickups for them. We had talked about. I didn't think Youngles was going to leave Quickstep, and so yeah, I think he just wanted too much money. And as we know, um, having a brain fart on the team, Patrick Lefebvre is yeah. not going to pay somebody money unless it's like a superstar. Yeah, so. he's got like two people that he'll allow that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, AG2R. Going to be a very interesting team to watch come next season. That's for dang sure. Yeah, and uh, another one here, I guess, not as surprising of some of the rumors we've heard, but still, Adam Yates going to Ineos, still surprising just because he's been, I, I think, his whole career like on a Mickelson Scott, and you know he's leaving his brother. At least yeah. we don't see his brother going anywhere. I would assume they would announce it together, but yeah. Oh uh, no, Yates is uh, staying. Okay. Uh, Simon Yatesy uh, is staying with Mickleton Scott. So. so now we'll have Yates and Yatesy. Yeah, now when it... I say Yatesy, you'll know what I'm talking about. Exactly. God, the one thing about Mickleton Scott, worst team nicknames on the planet. But like, you know, throw a Y on everybody. You got Froomey should have went there. That's yeah. what should have happened. That's, yeah, he would have been a shoe-in for Mickleton Scott. Yeah. No, I mean, if you would have asked Adam Yates five years ago if he would ever go to Ineos uh, or Sky, I think there was an interview where he was like, I am never going to do that. Like, all you're going to do is be a workhorse. And I think... At the time, it made sense. He had lots of opportunity or um, potential Potential at that time, and it hasn't panned out. And I think for him, he's like, all right, I'm never going to be a GC guy, it doesn't seem, so I'm just going to take some money and do some hard work. Simon Yates, on the other hand, does have a chance. So um, not that in... Honestly, at this point when in Adam Yates' career, I just don't really care. Like, he hasn't looked good. I don't... I like his brother a whole heck of a lot more, and it's not that I dislike Adam. He just doesn't have that GC sprightness. So I think it's a good move for him. I just don't think he really had it at, at Mickleton Scott. But, you know, Mickleton Scott, we were worried about they were losing some guys. And we were yeah. kind of like, 
man, I don't know what's going to happen. So now they've lost Adam Yates. Uh, they lost, who did they lose last week? Jack Haig. Yeah, that was a big loss for them. But, you know, Yates, Simon Yates stayed, which was a pretty big surprise that happened this week. And then also, uh, Tanel Kangert signed for Mickleton Scott. So a little surprised on that one. When we were talking about transfers, uh, domestique transfers a couple of weeks ago, we were really thinking, I, I really thought he was on EF Education, good fit for him, but I thought he would go to Israel Startup Nation Yeah. with Froome. So I was actually kind of surprised to see uh, Kangert go to Mickleton Scott. Yeah, I feel like they've probably made enough moves. <laughs> so they're, we'll see. I don't know. I think they said they were still looking to sign some other people to support for him. But oh, I still think they have to. They don't quite have the team ready. Yeah, they There's need just been one a lot or two really good guys. Yeah, they're just missing that upper echelon of domestique in the mountain. They need one. Should have got Port. Yeah. Well, he's still up in the air. I mean, rumor is he's going to Ineos, but I don't think that's official yet. Yeah, especially with a uh, Yatesy going over there. We'll see. Mm. Uh, well, let's get on to some race coverage before we get to the tour stuff. This week we had the Tour de Wallonie. You know, we had a stage or two, or a stage one last week, but we decided to cover it this week. So kind of a sprinters, you know, classics guys, kind of tour, a little four-stage uh, race. And stage one, you know, went to Caleb Ewan, looked really clear. Like, he looked great. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cavendish must have looked something because they kept talking about him. Yeah, I know you were really upset. We talked about a week ago when they just people wouldn't shut up about Cavendish. I forget what race that was. But same thing in this race. He actually looked good on stage one. He was really right up there. And then he looked behind him going into the final kilometer. He was like four or 500 meters to go. He checks behind him. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was this race. And just lost it. You can't look back in a sprint. Yeah, if this is the race I'm thinking of, he just immediately went backwards right after he looked, because he was, I think, third in line or something like that, like where you want to be, like on the right wheel. Yeah. Best he's looked in the last few years about winning a bunch sprint. Yeah, and I feel like stage two, it was a, something similar where I think um, Bauhaus was leading him out again or something like that, or trying to get him in position, and Man, if I was Bajos, I'd just be like, come on, like, just let me, like, stop. Like, let's stop pretending. Yeah, exactly. Well, DeMar won stage two over uh, Caleb Ewan. Really tight sprint. DeMar actually looked pretty good. Um, kind of a continuation. I mean, DeMar, you know, spoiler, looked good in this race. But um, stage three went to Bennett in a three-up sprint against DeMar and Deckenkob, surprisingly. Um, one thing I'll note on this stage, it was a breakaway coming into the final 3 or 4K, and it looked like they had enough time to win. Yeah. Out of those four or five guys, um, but they just wouldn't work well together. Of course, GBA was there, so, you know, he wasn't going to do any work. Um, <laughs> no way. But Gilbert pulled them the rest of the way, the Peloton, and, and closed the gap, and then Sam Bennett just let it out and didn't even, it wasn't even close. Yeah. No, he's looking pretty strong, too. You would hope so. Stage four was pretty cool. That one was like more climby and it had like a little rise to the finish and uh, Gilbert attacked and Damar followed. What, what's really frustrating about this stage was there was an opportunity for five or six guys in the last little climb before the descent into the finish section, like Damar was dropped by a good amount. Yeah. And then the five or six guys that were up front, including GVA, like did not do any work. GVA had an opportunity to win this race. And he didn't want to do any work, or he wasn't feeling strong enough. I don't know which. I really just get the feeling he didn't want to do any work. Like, yeah, you wanted to win the stage, great. But you had an opportunity to put the nail in the coffin and just not allow, allow DeMar to get back on your wheel. 
and you know Navarez from Ineos went off on his own and he only got caught in the last 1k so I honestly believe that if all those six or seven guys would have worked together I know Brian Cocard was in the group so all of them didn't have an opportunity to win the stage but GV had a chance to win the race and he should have taken advantage of it yeah and if you make it hard enough on people you never know what's going to happen at the end like could be the best sprinter in the world but somebody breaks your legs right before you get to the end yeah you can be out sprinting by anybody well and it was a little bit of an uphill so like there was an opportunity for for gva to win that race yeah so uh that stage so i don't know in the end uh they fdj did great work damar looked great when he caught back up and he he had followed gilbert up that little section and like got him at the end and, and won a, a nice stage there himself so he won two stages in the yellow so very, very good performance. That's my takeaway from this race was it just almost pains me. To, it's like complimenting Michael Matthews. Like, you know, when he won uh, when he, he won the mini sprint on Lance and Remo with that messed up hand. Like, mad props to him. But DeMar, like, looked good. Yeah, I feel like he's changed a little bit. I don't know if he's just... I think he's matured a little bit. Maybe, because his sprints have looked a little cleaner. You know, the team is kind of rallying around him really well in this race and yeah i mean he can take something a little more grit i think maybe like you know he's yeah i'm not going to give i don't know the whatever the milan san remo climb that somehow that we won't go back into that but sure uh, but like i feel like the, just the grit to kind of pull like stage four he was trying super hard to for that win and, and pulling stuff back and it was it was cool to see yeah team looked great he looked good the other takeaway I would say is some of the classics guys are looking really good going into the tour. So Jasper Stoyven, or not Jasper Stoyven, uh, uh, Stebar and Philippe Gilbert and GVA. You know, GVA did spend a lot of time in breakaways and stuff, so he's getting himself prepped, I think. He hasn't looked good at the end of races, but, you know, I don't think that's his goal. I think he was really training and he would have liked to want a stage here, but... He's putting a lot of time into the breaks, and Gilbert was doing a lot of pulling and, and bringing stuff back. So these guys are just kind of getting ready for that first week of the tour, I think. Yeah, and even Dagenkolb just trying to get get back to, to where he was. So Looks good in that jersey. Yeah, I mean, I really hope he does well. Yeah, didn't didn't work out well too well for him on Trek, but yeah, those guys are looking good. I, I'm still not a huge fan of Bennett right now. He definitely has the strength, and he when he wins, he does win well, but he hasn't been consistent enough. But, you know, stage three could have been a wake-up call for him, and, and he did enough to maybe get some get some form going into the tour. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about the tour. So first thing I wanted to talk about is the sprinters. Last week we talked about the main GC guys. I guess we can touch on that real quick. Um, you know, a lot of these teams announced their, uh, you know, teams, and surprisingly... Froome and G are not on the Ineos squad, so... Yeah, I was like, you can't just gloss over that one. Yeah, we can't gloss over that one. We actually got to spend a minute or two on it. Yeah, so that's gonna that's a pretty big shakeup, and I almost... So uh, G is going to go to the Giro, and they gave the Vuelta to Froome, which I think is fair. Yeah, um, I think it makes sense. But the real person I feel bad for, maybe, is Carapaz, right? So he was going to go to defend the, the Giro, but... Honestly, from stuff I've read and other people's opinions and theories, I mean, he might have an opportunity to be their main guy if Bernal's back isn't as good as they think it's going to be. Like, if he actually yeah. does have some lingering back issues, Carapaz could be the kind of fill-in guy to take over that squad. Yeah, I think it's tough, though, because their overall team strength is not what it was. Mm -hmm. 
and I still think he would have better opportunity at the Giro. He seems like a pretty nice guy, though, and like he's appreciative yeah, yeah. of the opportunity either mm -hmm. way. And from when we saw that Movistar documentary, if there is an opportunity, He'll it seems it. like he's going to take it. Yeah, exactly. I was like, he's a nice guy, but it doesn't mean he's going to sit back. He's, But he'll be cold-blooded when he has to. The other thing was uh, Team Jumbo-Visma. So Kreiswick crashed with Bookman, and it looks like Bookman's going to the, to yeah, the Tour. Yeah, they still have him there, but... Who knows what his shape is? Shockman's supposedly going for Bohr as well, and he has that broken collarbone. But um, Kreiswijk was is out of the tour for Jumbo Visma. A pretty big loss for them. I mean, he was what third place last year. So like, I was like, not as big as the potential of Primos here, though. That's true. Primos, I, I think that's all mind games. Like he's still saying he's a little bit hurt, etc. But yeah, I don't know. I still think he's my guy for the Tour de France. But um, looking better for Dumoulin now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they ended up bringing some random dude instead of Lawrence Duplu still. So they are not happy with him since he's going to Ineos. Not official, but that's where he's headed. But yeah, just real quick caveats. That's just some huge news as far as that goes. Uh, but yeah, I guess they weren't kidding. Like Froome and Thomas did not look good in the last couple of weeks. And so kind of a surprise that they would just say, stay home. And I mean, they interviewed both of them. They're like, yeah, we don't have it. Like they're stand-up guys. Like they're not going to be upset and talk crap like they know that they well, couldn't handle not, it not in public for sure <laughs> well of course but that's the whole point like yeah those are the guys that you want to be sponsoring if you're a big uh, that's corporation true. or something so and i mean Froom knows he's moving on like it's yeah. less of a big deal to him i would think exactly so but the writing was on the wall for those two this year for whatever reason they didn't didn't come out of the gates with the form they needed Froom obviously has a, a a reason but he's looked pretty good considering where he started so uh, but anyway let's get on to the sprinters um, kind of a weird sprint contenders this year. So two people missing is Jakobsen and Gronewegen. I think Gronewegen is the biggest miss out of here. I don't know if Jakobsen was on his path to join this team for the tour or not, but um, Gronewegen wasn't going to join anyway because of what they're trying to do. Um, I thought Gaviria is kind of a, a big one just because I think he's coming into some form and yeah. He's not listed on here as well. That's true. Yeah, he was not on the UAE team. So some of those guys are deciding to bring full GC squad. So the sprint contenders are a little more open, I would say. You know, the the three main guys, I would uh, argue, are Viviani, Bennett, and Caleb Ewan, mostly because of their recent Palmar, right? But some of these other guys, you know, are also just really strong sprinters, like Sagan, Matteo Trenton. Well, I put Greipel in here because I like him. <laughs> um, Hofstetter. Mezgek obviously has potential. Nizolo is on good form. Cees Bull, Mikaeus Arndt, Seneca Brelli. Um, Brian Cocard is here. And then on random stages, yeah, Boson Hoggins looked really close. Pedersen obviously can can win some sprints like he did a couple weeks back. Just, I mean, the, a big one too, if given the opportunity, we don't know, is wow. Because he can, he can still sprint, and especially an uphill one. It's yeah. just going to, that's going to be, to me, one of the, Big question marks in the sprints and the green jersey of if if he's going to be allowed. Yeah, I, I think that he could potentially win on some of those. There's two or three stages that are like small uphill finishes. But honestly, if, if he's going to play the team role like they've all stated, unless the opportunity is like right there um, where like they're already in contention and it's the last 2K, they may allow him to do a little bit of extra work if it's not going to be a crazy stage the next day. But really, their f focus is so hard on yellow, almost like Sky was when they brought Cavendish. Like, they didn't support him much at all because they were like, we're winning the tour with Radley Wiggins, you know? So I think that's the same thing that Jumbo Visma is bringing to this. So I don't expect Van Aert to really have an opportunity. 
I'm going against it. I'm, I'm saying that he's going to have an opportunity. I think he's just in too good a form for them to to ignore him. Yeah. Um, I think if they're there and it's a couple K to go and it's like, fine. Yeah. I think that's where he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be given the green light to go on a breakaway for no reason. Yeah, no. But, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, like you said, with green jersey talk, I mean, who really can beat Sagan? Um, not that Sagan's been in great form, per se, but it just, with the way the the rules are and the way Sagan rides, like, he's a unique guy where, like, I don't think anyone can really compete with him besides somebody like Van Art, but they're not going to let him do it. They're definitely not going to let him try to win green. Yeah, well, I don't know. I was I was going to say, I mean, they've, they've changed the rules to try to make it hotter on Sagan, but of course. I think most people don't, it's... It's because he can finish top three and he can do the mid-mountain stuff, which there's guys that can do win and, and do the win mid-mountain stuff, but Correct. almost nobody can do both. Like, and that That's always the problem. I'm going to throw out another dark horse because I feel like uh, Nizzolo, I think he can climb a little bit, yeah. and I think he's strong. Uh, I'm going to throw him in under the dark horses for, uh, for green. Yeah, for me, I put Van Aert. Question mark, right? But I picked Stoyven or Mads Pedersen. Like, depending on how Trek's GC ambitions go, I think it's tough for these two because they are going to be, especially at the beginning of the race, tied to their GC guys. So they don't want them wasting too much energy if, for some reason, Richie Port is up there or Malama, which I, I expect a top 10 maybe out of them, but not, not a podium. So I, I think they should be allowed to go. But as we saw, I mean, Pedersen won a few sprints. Yeah, he has, He's a classics guy. I think... Him or Stoyven are the two guys, for me, that are going to be the closest if they decide to go for it. I, yeah, they may not, right? I think Pedersen has a, has a good shot, uh, and probably by, you know, stage five or seven or something like that, uh, they'll be let off the, the chain of GC duty. Well, I think after stage four <laughs> on that first uh, Category 1 uphill finish. So this year it had, I think we looked at it, roughly eight pretty confident they're going to be sprint stages, so... Actually, more than I was expecting, but the problem with them is they're they're sprinkled in between mountain stages, and so I think as we get to the tail end of this tour, it's going to be really interesting to see who's still out there because there's some pretty rough stages um, to go. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we'll probably see a more breadth of winners in this race and sprinters than we have in the past, where a guy wins three or four. I think yeah. everyone will win at most. Two, I think, like someone like Ewan or Bennett will win like two stages, and everyone else will have one, one month. Yeah, I, uh, which probably just lends itself to Sagan even more, because then one of the pure sprinters will have less point opportunities if everything's spread out so thin. It's just yeah. gonna help him. Well, right now with Sagan being who he is, like, like I said, he's not in the best form, but he's the type of rider, like you said, that top ten sprints or top five sprints, and also can compete in medium breakaways and get those sprint points. So. For me, the only people that have an opportunity for green are classics-type guys that are a little more bent towards sprinting. Um, but, yeah, if, if none of these guys are going to be competing in top-end sprints, I, Sagan, it's his jersey to lose, and it always has been since he started winning. Yeah, and I mean, as much as I, I'll still talk shit about Michael Matthews, if he was here, this would have been really good opportunity for him, especially when they are not coming in with the GC rider. Yeah strangest he could have been even the favorite for that like at this point because he's had some pretty good form so yeah uh real quick we want to talk about the polka dots 
one of my favorite jerseys, and it's unfortunate that no one really, it's not really set up to target the Pokedex lately. It pretty much seems to be, all right, I'm going for GC, but I lost a bunch of time, so I'm just going to, you know, get a Pokedots to try to make up something, kind of like Bardet did, and we've seen a couple other guys. But that Bardet usually, one, yeah, the was Bardet like, was just pretty applauded for that, and I'm like, you just faded out of GC, and then someone giving you credit for, like, just, I don't know. And you see him get dropped from climbing groups all the time. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, so it seems like the Polkadots is the hardest one to pick. It's sort of random. It's someone usually, if it's not a GC guy that faded, uh, it's usually some guy that's, like, tier 2, tier 3, kind of a breakaway guy, and just trying to target some points. And, like, that can be interesting, but... I just wish it was as exciting as like green jerseys or yellows when like there's actually contenders for it that aren't trying to go for GC and fade. Yeah, I think they need to change that up a little bit to, to drive some people to target it and to go for that. Or, and I don't know what would do that. I mean, it's not like it's a, it's not like green should be more prestigious than pro, polka dots or, or or the other way around. Because I I feel like basically unless you get yellow, everything else is on the same level. No, I mean, I think there's something about green because it's like sprinters are never going to be yellow guys. So like that's their thing and I get it. So the polka dots are in this weird spot because, you know, climbing is part of the reason why you win the tour. So it's like kind of intermixed. It's a tough one. I mean, you could make category fours or make breakaway stages, like earn more points on well, you, like transition You'd stages. have to change it a yeah. bit. Like, well, that's what I was be... trying to think of. Like what rules could you change? I think making... Cat 4s uh, and Cat 3s give a little bit more points. Because, like, a Cat 4 will give you, like, 3 points if you go over first. And then if you go over an HC climb at the end of a stage, it's, like, 40 points. Like, it's, it's not yeah. even a comparison. It has so, to be something, like, how they, like, in crits or sprinting, like, they're, like, oh, it's, like, the bell lap. And then that, this sprint is, in particular, worth more at this time. Like, you'd have to, yeah. you're saying target something. I know some of the, you know, the climbs obviously have, points at the top of the KOMs, but something a little more unique. Well, they do have those, like, part of the Sagan thing was they put these intermediate sprints and, like, try to give them more points and all these things, and uh, it just made Sagan go out and get them. But <laughs> yeah. you could do something like that. You were saying kind of like the crit thing where on a transition stage or if there's a climb in the middle of a relatively flat stage, make it worth more points, make it worth 15 or whatever. And so the people that are in breakaways have more incentive you know, at the beginning of the race, we usually see the, the breakaway guys go for the polka dots just to prestige for their team and wearing a jersey and stuff. But you can actually make them worth more points in those exact moments where, yeah. you know, they just have a... Then some of those guys can hold it and, you know, and it would be... And maybe they'll work harder in the third week because they're so close. Yeah, maybe it's just a lack of motivation in that way that they're not, people aren't going for it. Yeah. So I think we're both locked in on Sagan as green. Yeah. All right, cool. Polka dots. Do we have any ideas? It's the hardest one to pick. But if you had to pick somebody to win polka dots at the end of this tour, who, who are you going to go with? Uh, who's going to fade and go for that? I'm going to give it to Richie Port. <laughs> That's so sad. Um, I actually don't think it's going to be a GC guy. I think it's going to be like a breakaway guy. So I'm going to go with like a Tij Benut. Okay. That's my pick. Because like... Sunweb has nothing going on for them, so they're going to spend a lot of time in breaks and stuff, so I'm going to pick Tij Benut. I also just like him. So. Yeah. I mean, I'd like if he won. Yeah. I'd like him to drop Richie Port on a climb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so I'm going with Benut. Um, 
yeah, so let's get on to, real quick, we have stage one and stage two is this weekend, Saturday, Sunday. We obviously record on Sundays, so I wanted to kind of end off on a stage where we could talk about the stages after and kind of recap what we've already done. So we're going to quickly go over stage one and stage two, give our analysis, predictions, etc. So stage one is uh, from Nice to Nice. It's 156 kilometers. There's two category threes and a sprint right in the middle. Nothing too crazy going on here. Pretty obvious it's going to be a sprint finish. Um, the last cat three or last little climb is like 25, 30K from the finish. Slightly downhill for most of it or flat. So going to be a sprint finish. Yeah, it's, you know, if this was stage 10, you could maybe say breakaway, but they are never going to let that happen on, on the first stage like that. So it's got to be a sprint finish. Yeah, so our contenders? Yeah, so we have uh, Sagan, um, Bennett, Pedersen, Trenton, uh, Viviani, Christoph, Ewan, uh, Mezcic, Greipel, Bosenhagen, Kokard, Nizolo, and uh, Bull. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of sprinters like we talked about earlier. You know, the main sprinters, you know, we have to look at are these guys and then the tier two, you know, so just a, a quite a breadth of field. Obviously, Bosenhagen and Pedersen aren't like typical sprinters, but I had to throw them in there. I mean, I saw Pedersen win a couple weeks ago against Sam Bennett. So it's true. And like an actual true up flat sprint. It wasn't like a slide uphill or something like it was just power to power. And like I was freaking impressed. So, you know, we got to go with these guys. We got to give them the respect. So I also just want to see Bosenhagen win a sprint. He was so close. That one crappy yeah. years where he had to. Yeah, wasn't it Kittle that he like? It looked like it was. It was down to a photo. It's the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah. And he did well, it was right it. after Cavendish got elbowed in the face by Peter Sagan, I think. Oh, so like, yeah, he ended up having to do. I remember work. Cavendish going into the wall, but on his own. On uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. Bosenhagen, not really a traditional sprinter, but just he's been very competitive the last few seasons, and like he might not. He's probably not going to win a stage. But I, just, I was like, I is that who you're going for? Right? Based all this No, nope, that's just somebody box? I want to see win this stage, but I have to go with someone obvious. I'm going to go with Caleb Ewan. Yeah, I think that's an awesome pick. Um, I didn't want to pick the same pick as you. Uh, so I think the second most obvious would be Sam Bennett. Just both of them, current form. Um, I think other possibility. I'm, I'm rating Nizolo very high in this in this tour. I, th I think he had a really good beginning of the season, and he's come back into that form. I think he just won the um, Italian road race. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could totally see him taking it too, and I don't think they really came. I don't think Campanarts is on the team, which we're all nope. with all of his altitude training. He's doing the Giro. So I, I think they're going to be pretty strong for uh, sprinting or st stages, so it's probably not built around a GC, guys. Oh, not at all. At, so. Campanarts can't even win a time trial. Tough Lost times. Lost to uh, Van Aert over there. I mean, who's going to beat Van Aert in anything? Nobody. So. Um, yeah, so side note, we have our, our own personal, we have me and, me and you and one of our buddies, we have a little fantasy cycling thing where we pick the, you know, who we think is going to win the stage for each day, and it's... We did the, the random number generator to see who gets to pick the first stage, and you got first place. Uh, our buddy got second, and I get to pick third. So so I might actually be picking you in for, yeah. for that. Well, but, just heads up, but, I'm going to pick Nizolo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, stage two. Let's uh, go ahead and What's this stage all about? Yeah, so stage two is also uh, niece to niece. 
it starts out with a, a cat one into a cat two, and then a couple little kickers towards the end. There's a there's a cat two with about uh, 25 to go, and then uh, it's not uh, rated, uh, but it's looks like just two and a half from the finish. It's uh, another what peaks at two and a half. There's there's another little climb, and it's two and a half into the end. So that this one's going to be a little interesting. I think it still can be a sprint stage. I don't know that how steep that last little bit is. Yeah, unfortunately, this the tour right now they don't have all the details they usually do with the with the last you know five k or whatever. But yeah, that last little climb is um, looks like it's about six or seven kilometers from the finish. So um, there's a little bit of a descent and then a couple k of flat. Yeah. Well. It's one that could be, we were both kind of looking at, at a, an Alaphilippe type or somebody who's going to go and, and use that ramp and go off on the descent. Because, I mean, it, from what it looks like, it goes straight down into those last two and a half. So I don't think this is going to be a typical sprint. No, I mean, you know, there are two category ones in the middle of this stage. And so I just... I expect Quick Step or CCC or some classics-focused non-GC contending team that doesn't have a pure sprinter to really put the hammer down enough on these two Cat 1s in the middle of this stage to keep the sprinters from getting there, right? They're going to have to stay in the time cut, but they're not going to be competing for the sprint finish on this stage. That Cat 1 is like a... It looks like it's a almost a 30K descent, so they can get a minute or two on that on that one cat one climb and just hit the descent pretty good where these guys can't catch up. I think you're just going to see GC guys and, and a few fast sprinters or someone like Philippe as well. I mean, it looks like it's made for Philippe really to get yellow, but I mean, I'm not going to pick him. Well, I was like, you know, I'm going to go for a French rider. So, well, who's the contenders do you think for this stage? Uh, so contenders looking at uh, Gilbert, Sagan of old, we'll call it, uh, GVA. <laughs> Alaphilippe, uh, Christophe, Trenton, Benut, Kalmajane, Dagenkalb, uh, Stuyven, and uh, Betiol. Yeah, it really depends on how some of these guys are coming in and, and really how hard they're hitting that, that climb. You know, someone like Dagenkalb or Christophe, like they may not be able to be there that whole time, but no one faster than them is going to be able to make it up that climb. So. Yeah, I mean, I see it as like a group of five or six or a solo is kind of what what I imagine the finish is going to look like. Yeah, I think it's set up for for a classics guy, and so I picked Gilbert. I think that's a really good pick, and I thought, for some reason, I, you know, we've still had some season that has happened, but I thought he was still on quick step, and I was like, well, he's going to have to compete with Philippe and this and that, and they're not going to know. He's um, back on the Sudal train. But uh, I went with uh, Lillian Calmajane. I really like that pick, too, Um I really liked him when he was in the pro pro scene, the pro Conti season, uh, into just like working hard in the tour and like being in breakaways and stuff. So I think that's a good pick. I, I wouldn't be too upset if he won that stage. Yeah, I don't know if I had seen him recently like looking good, uh, but I mean, he's going to a new team. I think he, he has been doing well on, uh, was it Total Direct Energy? Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's a good, you know, maybe a little motivation going somewhere new and wants to show off. Yeah, no, I think it'll be an interesting stage. I think, we you know, we'll talk about it more next week, but just the first week of this tour is so different than what we're traditionally used to seeing. 
Yeah. Mostly sprints, a transition stage or something. But as we'll see next week, you know, coming into that first, you know, week of the tour, it's punchiers, a couple punchiers, which isn't surprising. An actual uphill finish, uh, you know, stage four and stage seven or something. So it's like, it's a lot of action for GC right at the beginning of this. Yeah, luckily I'll be at uh, home and watching uh, every stage of yeah, I'm really, six hours or whatever it is. Ah, man. Some of the best stages it looks like are going to be during the middle of the week, which is, makes it really tough for me to watch, but I'll have to, to figure it out. Yeah, those, it's when it comes to those nighttime ones where nobody can talk about it or look at anything for the whole day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we're in our group chat, like, don't say anything, no spoilers. Yeah. Uh, as far as like, I mean, if I have to pick second, uh, which I will on our fantasy league, I, I don't know who I'm going to pick. I might pick something stupid like GBA or something. But I think that wraps up this week. Next week, we're going to recap stage one and two, see how we did, see how the tour is kind of starting, see if there's any crazy you know, things happening in day one, day two. You know, first sprints are always chaotic in the Tour de France. So will some unfortunate crashes cause GC guys to, to lose time or something like that? There's always those nerves. First week is always tough. Um, but we shall see, and we'll break down the week episode of the week um stages to come so yeah it was like hopefully uh that and hopefully we're back on our bikes <laughs> yeah i plan on riding today um it's a little hot out but i just want to get a little 10 mile just to start getting my calves and because uh, like he said same as you my calves are going to be used more my hamstrings and stuff so yeah, you don't want to do what i did no, no. <laughs> I'm, i've always been a sometimes I, I i ease into things too simply instead of jumping in but um, i do want to get a little ride in today so we shall see but until then see you next week see you